You're transitioning from someone who's been a lover of pleasure to someone who really is. Not any more cheap talk, not some emotional display, but the reality of your inside world, your whole inner man, your heart, soul, and all your strength, your mind, everything within you as a person. There's a transition happening from being someone who is focused and obsessed with pleasure to someone who is becoming obsessed with the things of God. Come out from among them and be separate. Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Be holy as I am holy. And pursue that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Today we tackle the question, what role does sanctification play in freedom from porn. I'm your host, Jim Lewis. This is Purity for Life. Sanctification. It's probably the biblical concept that is least understood among most Christians. Seldom preached anymore, it is at the very heart of our salvation and the work that God longs to do in the lives of his people. So, let's first define it. When the word appears in the Old Testament, as in Exodus 13, 12, it is the word kadash, when it appears in the New Testament, as in John 17, 17, it is the word hagiadzo. Both of these words mean the same thing. The words mean to set apart, to regard as holy and to use for holy purposes. The word then came to mean to cleanse or purify, and to offer up and dedicate to God. We translate the words differently and think of them differently depending on who is doing the action. When a man is sanctifying himself or something else, he is purifying or dedicating something to God. He is an imperfect man dedicating something to a perfect God and asking God to regard this offering as set apart for him. And so offerings, temple furnishings, sacrifices and the like and even people were sanctified to the Lord. When God does the sanctifying, he is a holy God declaring something as set apart to himself and declaring it to be holy. When God sanctifies the Christian believer, he declares him to be holy by the means of the blood of the cross and then engages him in the ongoing process of making him holy in his attitudes, words, and behavior. So there are two different sides to sanctification. There is the part that God does, that only he can do. And then there is the part that people do, that we all do, that only we can do. We'll talk about God's part first. Because God alone is holy, set apart, and perfect in all his perfections, only he can declare something as holy. 
And only God has the power to make something holy. He has determined that he will have a people who not only are set apart for his own possession, who live as dedicated unto him, who love him unreservedly of their own will and seek to do his will in the earth, but who live morally blameless lives before him in honor and obedience. God's purpose from the beginning was to have a people who lived holy lives. This was true of Israel and today is true of the church of Jesus Christ. This has always been his purpose. This is made possible only through the cross of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the cross is our sanctification. Jesus died there so that he might bear the weight of our sins and secure our forgiveness. His blood was the covering for our sins and the purchase price of our redemption. Because of the cross, God is able to freely justify us and grant us forgiveness for all our sins. But salvation is more than just forgiveness. God intends to make us holy in our behavior. He really intends to deliver us out of our sins and conform our behavior into the likeness of Christ. He intends and expects our obedience and for us to live blameless lives. This is all part of our sanctification, the putting off of our old flesh with its sins and the putting on of the new natures with the fruit of the Spirit. Thus, our sanctification is not a one-time event, but a lifelong process that begins when we are born again. God begins to make us new, and he continues that sanctification process daily for the rest of our lives. As we walk in faith and obedience, seeking his will, desiring his guidance, surrendering to his lordship, he works to transform our minds and conform our behavior to the likeness of blameless Christ. What role does sanctification play in a man gaining freedom from sexual sin? It should be obvious that this is God's will for every man. Every man must come to the cross, repent of his sin, ask the Lord to take it from him, seek the Lord to be rid of it, and then walk in obedience to him as he takes this sin out of our lives. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. Right now, know that there is a work of sanctification that only God can do. He is the one who forgives, who cleanses, who declares us holy. He is the one who empowers a man with the Holy Spirit to resist temptation and to set a man free from slavery to sin. He is the one who sanctifies. Right now, I want you to listen to this powerful word of exhortation from Steve Gallagher to the men in a chapel service at Pure Life. Here he urges them to go through the transition from being a lover of pleasure to a true lover of God, and from having an outward form of godliness to possessing a real life in God. I just had a, a thought came to me this morning out of 2 Timothy 3 that I just want to say a couple of things about briefly. You all know this passage. It's really referring to the apostate church at the end of the age. It begins with a warning. Realize this, that in the last days, 
perilous times will come. And then he goes into all of these aspects of the flesh. And the perilous times is that the church would be overrun with the flesh. But there's two phrases I want to just focus on down in verse 4. The second half of verse 4, there's a comparison there. And then in the first, and then in uh, verse 5, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And um, this obviously is, is describing a person alive in the end times in the evangelical movement. Now here's what I want to say, guys. The whole point of the Pure Life Ministries live-in program here. This is what it boils down to is there's got to become a transition for you. That's what this place is, a, a transition place. In the prison system, like out in California, there's Chino Prison. Chino Prison is there as a transition spot. You're sent to, to Chino and then you stay there for a while before you are classified and sent off to San Quentin or Folsom or and that's kind of, in a sense, what pure life has to be for you. It's a transition spot where you are transitioning from being someone who loves pleasure. That defines the reality of your heart, that you have a passion for pleasure, and you've learned to live by a form of godliness. That's how you've done Christianity, is by just putting out there a form but you're in a transition here where you're becoming someone different. You're transitioning from someone who's been a lover of pleasure to someone who really is. Not any more cheap talk, not just some kind of form, not some emotional display, but the reality of your inside world, your whole inner man, your heart, soul, and, and all your strength, your mind, everything within you as a person, there's a transition happening from being someone who is focused and obsessed with pleasure to someone who is becoming obsessed with the things of God. That's what's happening for you here. There's two comparisons here. Obviously the one lover of pleasure, lover of God, but the other one is someone who holds to a form of godliness and denies the power of God. I'm gonna say it, it is saying to the Holy Spirit who wants to get in and, and carve out the garbage and purge the poison and the love of pleasure and all that. The power of God who wants, the, wants to come into you and do a, a work of transition and purging the poison and the garbage out of you. You say, no, I deny you the right to enter here and to come into the secret rooms of my heart and to clean house. No, you're not allowed. I'm happy with a form of godliness because that's all I need to get by in the church. And no one knows what's really going on in my heart. But man, I'm telling you, listen to me. It's real. You don't have to be bogged down with despair and hopelessness anymore. It's there for you. But there has to be a transition. You can't be a lover of God in emotional meetings only. That's not being a lover of God. Being a lover of God is when your whole being is taken up with Him. And you let Him in. Listen, you will never be a lover of God until you let the Holy Spirit get in and deal with you. It'll all be a facade, it's cheap emotions, 
and all that kind of stuff, shallow stuff. There'll never be any reality to it. Why do you think you could go to a powerful church service six months ago, a year ago, or whatever, and sit in, maybe even tears come out of your eyes, and then, you know, a couple hours later, a couple of days later, be right back into the filth again, because it wasn't getting down, penetrating into your heart. You had a stop sign up for the Holy Ghost, but He's doing that in you. He's doing it in you. I know He is. now. I can't say that it's happening for every one of you. Some of you are still so out of it. But if you'll do the things that you're told here, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm promising you, that's reality. You know, your counselors, these different, all, we're all on the same path. We're headed somewhere. And you can look out and you can see people's lives. You can see what's coming out of them and you get a sense about the reality of their life in God. Is it just a bunch of cheap talk? Is it someone who just knows how to preach? Is it some charismatic uh, you know, minister who gets up and just knows how to wow the crowd and knows the word of God, knows how to teach it? Or is it someone who has a reality of the Lord inwardly? And that's what God wants to take you into, men. If you'll just believe God. Believe Him. Believe Him. It's there for you. Believe Him. Quit believing in your past. Believe in your future with Christ. He's got a new future for you, man. Believe it. Quit believing. You know, unbelief is seeing all your failures in the past. I've always been this way. Other people get free, but I never get free. That's unbelief. Put that away and believe what God has for you, all that He has for you. He has victory. He has love for God that He will instill into your heart. He has the glory of the hereafter. It's real. And He wants you to have it, men. He wants you to have it. I began by talking about the work of sanctification that only God can do. But our conversation would not be complete without looking at the other side. There is a part of sanctification that is up to us to do. We have to cooperate in the work of God by being obedient. Most Christians are surprised anymore that someone still teaches holiness as though it is a theme that is out of date but God has not changed his word nor his mind on the matter. The Bible still says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that we should be holy and blameless in him. Paul still tells us that God's will for our lives is our sanctification and specifically defines holiness as abstinence from sexual sin. And Peter still writes, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And the writer to the Hebrews still has it that we are to pursue peace with all men and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Our part is to come out from among the world and be separate, to be in the world but not of the world. Our part is to seek every day to be rid of sin by repenting and forsaking it. Our part is to pursue holiness, to run hard after it, 
by desiring above all things to live a life pleasing to the Lord and by only pursuing those things that are pleasing to Him and according to the will of Christ. This is not average, cheap grace American Christianity that insults God and comforts the wayward and backslidden in his sins with promises of God's forgiveness. This is real, biblical Christianity that empowers a man to resist sin and walk in obedience so that he not only wears the righteousness of Christ by faith, but actually walks in righteousness and faithfulness before God in his daily life. Greg Ehrenberg lived most of his young life in horrendous sexual sin. Raised in a Christian home, he rejected and ran from everything he had been taught, anything that remotely reflected God. And so when he finally hit bottom and sought to get help, his life was a total mess. But today, Greg is a happily married and devoted husband to his loving Christian wife and a beloved father to his two daughters. He is not at all the same man, and his life at home reflects a lifestyle that is set apart and dedicated to the glory of God. Listen to his testimony about why it is crucial to live a life that is set apart to God. Greg, you're a 2009 graduate of Pure Life, and you came here like the rest of us, seeking freedom from a life of sexual sin, and the Lord did a work in you, and you're living an overcoming life, and you are married with two daughters. You work and deal with people on a regular basis. I want to establish that you don't live on a ranch in the mountains somewhere, or you're not in a tent in the desert. You live in a major U.S. city. Now, our theme for this show is what role does consecration play in freedom from sexual sin? So I would just like you to share your testimony with us today. Uh, With this in mind, describe what God has done in your life and how he has led you and the way yielding your life to God has made all the difference. Well, I got to say, first of all, When you say, I came here seeking the Lord, that's not entirely true. I was grabbed by the scruff of my neck and brought here by the mercy of God. I really, at the point I came here, I didn't really want to have anything to do with God. Mm. So just so you have some context around how I got here and um, my life before pure life, I was raised in a Christian home, missionary parents. I'm a missionary kid, raised on the mission field, which was a set-apart life in itself, just because we were in a different country, living amongst other believers. And my life after that, uh, when we came back to the United States, was similar, um, living in in community with other Christians. Uh, So I always had this idea of what it was like, or what I thought it was like to live a life that was set apart from God. Obviously... Uh, I ended up at Pure Life mm-hmm. uh, after 38 years of living life uh, with absolutely no idea what it meant to be separated un- unto God or to live a life pleasing to the Lord. I had no clue what that what that was. In reality, I didn't. So how it played out in my life, there was no reality of 
a life unto God. So, Greg, you're describing the life of so many professing Christians, second-generation Christians who grew up in Christian homes. You live an outward life of conformity to expected standards, but in your own words, there was no inward reality of a life in God. Uh, On the surface, I pleased my parents. I did the things that I thought that they wanted me to do even up to the point of being 38 years old and them thinking that I was just a, quote, backslidden Christian. Nothing could be further from the truth, but I had had that facade. I played the, I played the game and was able to lie. I was a, a very good liar. I guess growing up in that culture, I understood it, so I could, I could play the game. But my inside world was completely different. So what I learned was that the, the, the outward really doesn't mean much. Now you eventually came to pure life and things began to change for you. How would you describe that change? When I, when I came to pure life, when I was brought here by the mercy of God, not willing to come here really, but it was I didn't have much of any other choice. And just the way God works, I'm so thankful for that. But um, he brought me. And he began something in me that's still going on right now. But there is a a reality of consecration that I do want to talk about and that I've seen. And it's so different than the culture or the Christian home and the outward because I I lived it. So there's, there's, for me, it's so starkly different that I don't know. I really, I, I didn't start even thinking about it until you, until you approached me and asked me to talk about it. But it was all there, sitting there under the surface. I even went back uh, almost six years where I had done a study on consecration. And all of that started flooding back, and, and the Lord just brought Scripture back to me. Then let's look at the Scripture. What Scripture has God used in your life to show you the reality of our need for consecration and for living a set-apart life? Well, um, there's a few, uh, but I, I just want to start with the first one. It's out of Isaiah 30, specifically verse uh, 21. And it says, uh, And if you leave God's paths and go astray, you will hear a voice behind you say, No, this is the way. Walk here. In the whole context of Isaiah 30, you'd have to read the whole chapter to really get a solid understanding of that this is talking about consecration. How in ourselves we're really opposed to God. Mm-hmm. And we're offered repentance, we're offered rest, but we won't have anything to do with it. We don't want it. I know that was my reality, and sometimes that is my reality. It's not always, there wasn't a point in my life where all of a sudden everything just started working. I'm convicted frequently of seeing conviction and repentance offered by a gracious, merciful God, and me saying, no, I think that's not quite what I need right now. So I just want to say that, just to say this is, I didn't cross over a a fence. And um, yes, I, I came into Christ, and he had mercy on me. But there's also this this quietness that that is necessary 
in order to go on and hear the voice of the Lord saying, no, this is the way, walk in it. So with that scripture, what, I, what, what the Lord has made real to me is that quietness that I need. That quietness only comes when I shut the noise of everything else off. And the only way for me to shut the noise off is to just focus on the Lord. So part of consecration for you is seeking the Lord's presence in quietness of shutting out the world and spending time in his presence, listening to his voice, focusing on him. But there's more, isn't there? So this is the second verse. It's uh, out of 1 Peter 3, 15. Uh, Sanctify Christ in your heart. And there's there's context around that, reading all, all of, well, verses 8 through 22. The thing that strikes me is just that phrase, sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Another way to think about that, and when you're thinking about consecration, it's being devoted. Well, Greg, you bring up an interesting point in that verse. We're to sanctify Christ in our hearts, which means to set him apart as Lord. And as soon as we do that, we are actually devoting ourselves to him. As we sanctify him, set him apart, we are setting ourselves apart for him. But there was another word that you wanted to share with us. What is that? Delighting yourself in the Lord. Honestly, when I'm, when I'm listening to podcasts, before I go to work and listening to it after about work, trying to, to gain more knowledge about work so I can do my job better, I'm delighting in my work. Mm-hmm. I'm delighting in this, this, really a thing that God gave me to support my family. I'm delighting more in that gift that God gave me to support my family than I am in Him. So that, that's the second part for me in, in consecration. Number one is I, I, I have to listen. I have to be quiet, which requires not clouding myself with the the other things of the world and then delighting myself in the lord which is ironic because that really only comes by spending time and being quiet before the lord because that's how you start being delighted in now greg when we talk about the set apart life there are practical steps that a man and his family have to take to shut the world out You can't escape it out in the workplace, but you can make your home a sanctuary for God and and get rid of worldly influences. Describe what you've done in your own home. One thing I really want to say, and is is my testimony, is um, now our our home doesn't have a TV. We We have a television set, but we don't stream in a the, the the networks or anything like that we just it's not even i don't even know how i had time in my previous life before the lord you know had mercy on me i don't even know how i had time to to watch i mean I, I used to get home at six seven o'clock at night sit down and watch news go on to the first show the next show and the next show and i had all my shows lined up all week long and wouldn't go to bed till midnight and wake up the next day at five go to work not even think twice about it. Um, now it's so foreign to me that I could even have done that. Um, I, we don't have time to do much of anything, it seems like, anymore. 
One of the issues that we face here is getting the cooperation of the family to rid the home of worldly influences. The husband has come into conviction about separation from the world, but then he has to get his family on board. How did that work out for you? So we did, when, when I left Pure Life, um, and my wife said that I could come home. And that was always a question. We had paperwork already signed for the divorce to, to go through. So there was always a question of whether I was going to, we were separated before I went in, into Pure Life, and the Lord just did things. And my wife and, and my two daughters visited me um, while I was in the program several times. And at the end, I did go home. And my wife had gone through the, the Overcomers at Home program. And her counselor said, well, you just, just need to take things out of the house that you think might be a, you know, a stumbling block to your husband or, and make your house a sanctuary. He, he's been in this place where he hasn't had access to any of this stuff for eight months. So you didn't have any trouble getting Stephanie and the kids to cooperate. But your testimony is that consecration is so much more than following certain guidelines. Now, we have gotten great wisdom from men and women who have gone before us that say, you might not want to stream network television in your house or watch rated R movies or go to these certain places. It may not be a good thing for you to do. We've had guidance, and which is valuable, but you got to see that for yourself, that it's not this list of things that's going to consecrate you and set you apart and sanctify you in this world. It's delighting in the Word, in, mm-hmm. in, in the word of God, delighting in the Lord, delighting in Jesus Christ. The, the other scripture is out of Colossians 2, and it's talking about how those rules, the things they ate, the days they set us, you know, all of the, the Jewish laws that were there. And it says that none of those things were able to keep them from sin. I know that I could I could keep all those rules outwardly, but in my inner parts, I'm not delighting in the Lord. I'm just following His rules. And when you follow rules because you've been told to do them, it's miserable life. There's no joy there. There's no you don't delight in the rules. I don't delight in rules. So yes, we have cleaned out the things in our house that are stumbling blocks. Uh, we don't have things that a lot of people have. And, and I'm not, the thing, I just, I don't want to um, give a list of things that we've done to our house as the way to be consecrated and set apart. I, because I've had all those things, but like I said earlier, I've still drifted. I've still fallen because I wasn't delighting myself in the Lord. And if you look at Isaiah 30, if you look at 1 Peter 3, and you look at Colossians 2, and really in their entirety, all three of those chapters, the picture of that is very clear that being set apart unto the Lord is being devoted to Him. It means that it's not following rules. You want to spend time with Him. You want to be with Him. 
Sanctification isn't some vague and heady theological concept. It is the work of God in our lives to make us more like Jesus. God does the work by purging us of our sinful attitudes, habits, and behaviors. We cooperate with His work by separating ourselves unto Him, by repenting of our sins, and by walking in faithful obedience. Sanctification has everything to do with gaining freedom from sexual sin. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.